Hi, friends. Welcome to IRL AF, a podcast about real-life adult friendship. I'm Alexa. And I'm Brie. And we're your hosts for this season. We are going to be your guides on an exploration of all things friendship. This is a podcast made by and for young adults. Because we believe that stories are sacred. True stories save lives because every story is a God story. The guests you'll meet on the show are brilliant and thoughtful, and we're inviting them into this space to share their stories with you. And what we've learned is that everyone is just making things up as they go. So, so are we. Life and friendship are complicated, and we're just finding our way through. The story that you're about to hear was recorded live at Gilead Chicago. Now we're going to hear a story from Rebecca Anderson, co-pastor of Gilead Chicago. Margaret and I decided to become friends. The year after my sophomore year, her freshman year, at Pittsfield High School, we were both in theater and we had a few friends in common and knew enough about each other to know that the other one was funny and smart. Margaret had a super dry sense of humor, biting and incisive, and she was funny because she was so often right. We lived just about a half mile apart and we decided that we would become neighborhood friends. And that summer, The first time I went over might have been on the 4th of July. Her little sister and I promptly broke the family hammock. And uh, as some kind of like punishment then, we had to like test a bunch of their camping equipment for an upcoming trip they were taking. Um, Which even, even the punishment made me just feel like I was part of the family. And we spent the next 15 years as best friends. Our lives got intertwined through the rest of high school. Our friend groups overlapped. Our younger siblings became friends. Our parents became friends. She helped me move into my college dorm room. I visited her at Columbia. We were together through disasters. A roommate dead by suicide. My dad's affair and the implosion of my family. We talked mothers, parents, dating. We definitely poked fun of our dads. Um, Her dad, actually, from day one. It was the 4th of July. It was the 4th of July because at lunch, her dad discussed whether or not he would change before they headed out to a cookout. And he's he's a really brilliant, like, super nerdy scientist. And he was wearing these, like, baggy cargo shorts that showed his kind of, like, skinny, muscular legs. And there's this, like, general, like, picnic lunch conversation going on. And Margaret says under the conversation, change your shorts. Change your shorts. <laughs> so, yes, we poked fun of her dad from day one. And then in our 20s, we lived together in Boston. We lived first with one friend and then with another one while she did grad school. She threw me my 30th birthday party. A man broke up with her via a letter sent in the post, the mail. A man broke up with her via a letter, and I opened it and, like, stomped on it on our kitchen floor. She was always way cooler than I was. She introduced me to Sufjan Stevens. Uh, She, when I told her about a kind of ad hoc wedding that I had done for some friends, said, you'd be really good at stuff like that. She held my hand, forced my hand through applying to divinity schools and she read my essays and she drove with me to Hyde Park after I had finally made my decision about where to go to school. And in the kind of um, tense days before I left Boston, I asked, thinking I was making a joke, like if we were gonna have fun on this trip out to Chicago or not. I don't know, she said. A year later, I was back in Boston to visit, and I stayed in our old apartment. 
with Margaret. We had just passed the 15-year mark. And she was somebody who liked to go on trips with friends, like with girlfriends, like gal pals. And so I had suggested at some point, like, we ought to do something. We should, like, celebrate 15 years as friends. We should go somewhere cool. But now that fall, I was in Boston, and the trip had never happened. And Margaret had some really bad cold, and I was, like, gadflying about trying to see everybody that I missed. And I was late for everything and for everybody, as usual, as always. And one night we went out to JP Seafood, and over the meal, Margaret said she felt like she needed to break up with me. And I was, I was blindsided. Silent, not break up, she said. But it was like, almost like she wanted, she said, even though we were just friends, to tell me, Let's just be friends. Because it felt like I wanted way more out of the relationship than she did. Like I needed more. And she had thought it would change when I moved, when I moved but then it hadn't. And also she said I couldn't ever let jokes go. And also I made fun of her parents. And also I hadn't picked up her cues that her sense of our friendship had changed. And also I laughed too loudly. Like sometime I, sometimes I was demonstrating, ha 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 ha, I'm laughing. And also, I could really hold forth at parties. Like, what kind of jokes? Like I, don't, like, I don't let them go over an evening or, like, over years? Years. Like that thing about a trip for our anniversary. And I couldn't stop myself. I wasn't joking, Margaret. Well, it was creepy. I think with the exception of once, I haven't spoken to her since then, about a dozen years ago. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And now, a conversation with Rebecca. So about your story. Mm -hmm. um, so your story about your friend breakup. Uh, one of the things that it brought up for me was that pop culture and like all the things that we consume all the time idolizes romantic love. Um, and like every movie is about that. Uh, but for me at least, um, like the people that I feel like are the loves of my life are my friends. Um, I just, there's just like a different depth of love for my friends or a different type of love. Um, and and so I think in that the most painful breakups are the friends that had to like change or end mm -hmm. in some way. Mm -hmm. um, so what do you, I don't know, could you speak to that a bit? Um, just like what is it about friendship ending that, that like cuts so deep? It's, you know, I, I've just started to tell that story publicly because it's like so full of shame. And when I have told it like at an open mic or two and then at church, um, that so many people are like, I had a friend break up or I had a couple of really significant friend breakups. So it seems, and people have talked about like, it's weird that this isn't in the culture, that this, that we don't talk about friend breakups. Um, so the thing that was so painful for me about that, I mean, I do think it's the same thing as a romantic breakup, which is that you've 
been, if you're good friends for a long time, you've been extremely vulnerable and extremely well-known. And a part that I left out of the the version that I told um, here at church was that, um, was that I was like coming back into, like I had just moved to Chicago. And so I was like here to like make all these new friends. And I had just started like a relationship and it just felt like, geez, it's just a matter of time before they find out all these things that she knew about and and thought. And so it was like, so I in that way, it does feel the same as a romantic breakup because you're like, there's intimacy and vulnerability and and maybe you've shown like in that case, like the best of yourself to a person and they've been like, mm, no. And so I, yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's what was so hard about that one for me. Yeah, it, it definitely seems like that breakup and that friendship, like it was all, it all had something to do with your identity too. Yeah, for sure. I think, I think that's what's hard about any breakup and it was definitely hard about this breakup is like, what does it say about me? Like the, the, the meaning that she made about who I am and the ways that I was willing to carry that because she didn't say anything that was false. Like, you know, I do all the things she said, I don't really feel like enumerating them right now. <laughs> all the gross things she said. But I mean, I don't think I'm creepy, actually. So yeah, I, I reject don't. that notion. Yeah, <laughs> but, I don't experience but, it was creepy. Me either. Wait until you've known me 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> they don't really, it's kind of a slow build. <laughs> but I think that it's like to speak to this identity piece, for me in like experiencing your story, like, just that, like feeling like that moment where it feels like all of these things that you've like very intentionally and like, as you said, very vulnerably like shared with this person are now like, and that you used to enjoy together, right? Or that you think like were why you were as close as you were are now being like turned on you almost or being like, to use like an overused phrase, like thrown in your face as like the reasons why something that is important no longer is. And I think that, that like speaks to how like friendship like shapes who we are like in positive ways and in negative ways right like we take on what people like and we dial back what people don't like mm -hmm. um but like how would you say that like the experience whether like it's the experience of like losing that friendship or just like in general like how do you think your friends like inform like who you are or how you understand yourself I mean, I, I think that my sense of even the way friendship works in general is that it, but I can, I can make it specific to me, is that I feel like the people that I feel closest to are people who mirror the things that I like appreciate about myself. Like, mm -hmm. like I definitely think of myself as like a funny person or a smart person and that I you know, I, that I spend more time being funny around other people who think I'm funny. And is it because they think I'm funny or because, I, you know, because there's room to, I don't know what the thing is, but chicken or egg wise. But, um, so I think that there's room for those things to, I don't know, to develop. I don't, yeah, because I don't know if it's chicken or egg. I don't, I don't know, but I think they, the question of how we're shaped by our friends is something that, um, I've thought a lot about in in sort of mean ways. Like I think about like finding your people, like um, so. Uh, I'm trying to think of the way to tell this, the way to say this, and not sound like a huge dick. But um, like my friends and I basically dress alike. 
And it's true of a lot of people's friends. Like, so I've got like a lot of indoor lady pastor scarves, you know, and a lot of like, <laughs> like sort of social worker chic or whatever. And, and, and like, how do friends end up looking like each other? Like, it seems like you find each other where you kind of recognize, like, I definitely have a friend. We like saw each other at work and we're like, you're wearing dance clothes and knitting. Seems right. Like, you know, it's sort of like literally like gravitate. So those things were already true about us. And then, and then, and then we sort of like reinforced, I mean, those are superficial examples. Knitting, of course, is not superficial, but like there, those are more superficial examples, but I think that we like maybe recognize each other and then stuff gets further. I mean, and that can work negatively too. Obviously you find people who you're like, reinforce your prejudices or whatever but i i don't know i think you kind of there's recognition and then that stuff um gets emphasized or you double down on it or, i don't know so other than other than recognition how do you like is there a way that you intentionally make friends or how, how do you make friends so i think there there are ways that i do like initially and then I kind of wait to see if it takes like after after sort of the initial stuff um so uh a boyfriend I was with years ago was like how do you how do you make friends like I met this really nice couple at the bar last night um talked to him for a long time and and then at the end of the night I was like maybe I should hang out again but like what should I say to them and how would I and he was like you you know how to meet people what would what would you have said to them and I was like oh I almost have a script you know where I'd be like it's so nice to meet you too. Um, I don't know if you have all the friends you already need, but it'd be fun to hang out again uh, I, and would exchange some kind of information. And, you know, the fellow was like, what, what if they what if they don't want to hang out again? And they're like, then you never see them again. Right. Like the <laughs> options are like so limited. Like either you don't ask them and you never see them again or you ask them and you never see them again and it's fine because you never see them again. Right. Or you hang out and maybe it's a thing. Or you hang out and it's not that great, but it's – so, so that's the only part I'm intentional about is, uh, I don't even, but it's not something I try. I just like do it. Like I meet someone and if I'm sort of drawn to them, then I'm like, then I say something like that. So kind of like rewinding a little bit to this like idea of, I mean, loss, grief, yes and no, but we're doing all of this because we're positing friendship as like an antidote to loneliness because in our just like talking to people and getting to know people and trying to make friends and even in the interviews that we're doing for this project like we're learning that even if it's not present like everyone has like some sort of experience with like acute loneliness mm -hmm. and a lot of that is tied to like not having friends or transition which is another part of like mm -hmm. your story um so tell us about if slash when slash how like you've experienced loneliness in your life yeah I for sure do I think um you know as recently as over um sort of Christmas and New Year's this past year um I know a lot of people and I but I tend to have like a couple of really close people. So if if those people are all away or or with their families or or whatever um I can feel like I very quickly get to a place of like for someone with so many connections I'm really quite lonely. I'm like, well, 
okay, that's fine. Like, and in the but in the moment, it's real. Like I I feel that, and I feel um, even though th there are people more than one or two who I have like intimate close friendships with, um, yeah, I think there's just a lot of you know, a day is long or an afternoon is long. And if, um, I'm, I'm an extrovert, so I get energy from being with, with people. And I, I, um, it doesn't take me very long, you know, to, to feel like, oh, geez, they've been away all weekend. And, you know, and to feel that, um, to feel that as loneliness and to feel that lack of connection. Um, so I think I pretty regularly feel lonely, especially because my like my cycle of like I need to be alone, I need to be back with people, I need to be alone, I need to be back with people. like that's fast, you know. I'm like I need some alone time, but it's like two hours, you know. So what for you is the opposite of loneliness? Like what does it look like mm -hmm. when you feel well connected and um, yeah, well connected and not lonely? Well connected is like running into people I know pretty well, like running into people in the world, um, getting together and having like fun, meaningful one on one conversations. Not like um, not one on one like for work, but um, like just you and I are going out, or you know that it's like we're not going out in a group. Um, also, like being able to like. Pull a, pull a thing together, like, or, or be part of a thing that's pulled together. So I felt crummy over, like, New Year's and foolishly left myself without plans. And a couple of friends invited me over, and I thought they were just, like, at home cooking. But they had pulled together a group of, like, truly a dozen people, each of whom was, was like, astonishing, like astonishingly like accomplished and and smart and gifted and one of my friends who had invited me so I was at this dinner party I thought it was just going to be like us hanging out at their house and it was this impromptu new year's eve dinner party and one of the hosts said to me sort of during the early part of the evening he was like this is crazy that we can like pull together such an amazing group of people at the last minute and to like to be part of something like that either as like a convener like my friends were that night or just as part of the group to be like, all right, all right. Like I went from feeling bereft to feeling like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm part of a, there's like a web here. So what sorts of people do you want to be friends with? Like who draws you in and interests you? Mm. I mean, I, I'm like the same things as everyone, like smart, funny, you know, <laughs> in, engaged, um, I don't enjoy arguing and I don't, I don't mean that I don't want to, I don't enjoy like debate. That's not like a style of relating that I enjoy at all. So people who want to talk substantively, like for understanding, not for convincing, you know, um, uh, people with high like emotional intelligence and awareness who want to, uh, my, my closest girlfriend in the city was talking about, um, no, it's too long. You'll have to edit it. But she was on vacation in such a way that she overheard like a bunch of um, younger, they, ha they were men talking in like hot springs. And the dudes had been traveling together for like a week. But all of their conversations like, so have you done that uh, trail over by uh, Durango? And the other guy would be like, yeah, yeah, it's totally, it's amazing. But have you done the, and like they were, but they had already been together for a week. <laughs> and she said to her boyfriend, like, how like if I was on a trip with Rebecca, he was like, well, what would you be talking about? And she was like, oh, 
our mothers, our families, <laughs> our bodies, our work, sex, faith, fear, loneliness, like, you know, like what we like cooking. Like, like we would not be like going over our itinerary after right. a week together, you know? Right. So, so when she described that and, you know, she said it to be funny also, whatever, to poke a little gentle fun of these guys, but like, but I was like, oh yeah, that, that's right. Like all of that stuff, yeah. all of that stuff. We have a couple friends that we'd like to thank. Our pastors, Ben Samlin and Rebecca Anderson. Our producer, Masood Hawk. Treehouse Records, where we recorded this. And the Lilly Endowment and the Young Adult Initiative at Garrett Seminary, who has helped fund this. And all of you, thanks for listening. Our logo is Brian Alexa as a part of Allie Martin's Little Lady series. The music that you heard in this episode is by the band Astro Samurai. This podcast is a product of Gilead Chicago, a group of open and affirming, anti-racist, local, organic, slow church, just peace, free range, real butter Christians who gather on Chicago's north side. At Gilead, we believe that true stories save lives. And sometimes it takes being church in the most unchurchy ways and places to experience what community really means. We're really excited that you're joining us on this journey.